Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. Hello, Intention listeners. Welcome back. Season 3, Episode 2. Let's go. (laughs) Um, Okay, so hope everyone's doing well. Um, Week 400 of quarantine from, not quarantine, but isolation. Hopefully you're isolating. Hopefully you're masking up. Mask or casket. <laughs> so. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, my little quirky intro. Yeah. Yeah. It what was are, great. What are we going to be talking about today? Um, welcome back, everybody. Today is going to be just a Q&A episode. Um, we're going to keep things pretty brief. We're going to be shifting to dropping one episode every two weeks or so, or so. <laughs> because well we're really busy and we want to make sure that we put out good stuff yeah um, Roy's like really busy doing like all of these adult jobs and then I'm a sims content creator so like also <laughs> equally important right just kidding I That's wish where the real money's made how can somebody tell me how to do that please yes <laughs> um well yeah, so, well, you've been playing a lot of Sims. What else have you been doing? Um, so I started... Excuse me, sir, volume off, please. So I started an assistant coaching job at Creighton Durham Hall, which is a private school in St. Paul, private high school. So, you know, I thought, like, originally I was going to be working with high school kids, but some of these kids are very, very small. And I'm inclined to think, like, they're just finishing elementary school. So, I don't know, but now I know, like, 15 different ways to teach a box squat. So, that's really nice. Um, also, yes? I just wanted to say that that's where Joe Maurer went to school. It's a good school. Yeah, they have, like, a wall of, like, athletes. It's a good school. It's a yeah. good, a really good job for you. I, I'm having a great time. Yeah. Um, and besides that, I just started working with Tony Rogers from Rogers Reset on Instagram thought his name was Roger. (laughs) Mr. Rogers. (laughs) Mr. Rogers. (laughs) And I was talking to my coach about it, and then I was also talking to Tony, and I just addressed him as, like, Roger. And I was talking to Trevor about it, and Trevor didn't even correct me. He just, just like, oh, okay. And nobody told me his name was Tony. I would think that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You can't call it Tony's reset. That doesn't... Yeah. Anyways, I'm really excited to be working with him. I'll be working with him for about a month, hopefully. Um, He said he can have me fixed up in a month. So I'm having a lot of lateral quad issues, specifically when I low bar squat. Um, With that, some TFL issues. I'm having a lot of issues. (laughs) Um, But I'm really excited because hopefully uh, with all of the prep work, he's done for me and all of the um like stretches and prehab and rehab that he's programmed for me it's looking like all three of my lifts are definitely going to benefit from working with him so always like reach out to um certified help like you can people can only give you their story of like what has worked for them if they're not really um qualified and you definitely you get what you pay for yeah um that's 100% true. Also, I just have to say that you have still been breaking PRs. Um, Somehow. Well, working through pain. So I'm really excited to see what happens um, once you're feeling right. And I also wanted to mention to the listeners that you guys don't, guys and girls and everyone else um, don't get to see, is that? You people. You people. I, I you really. folks. Okay. You folks. I want to be as respectful as I can, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, you folks don't get to see what goes on like behind the scenes of uh, our training for someone who's very dedicated to it. I mean, we do stuff outside of the gym um, every single day that just to prepare or recover from or um, help contribute to our performance in the gym so jen you are already doing some home rehab and now you're reaching out for more help which i think is really cool because it just shows that you're willing to do what it takes to Mm -hmm. reach your full potential so i just want to um 
make sure everybody is aware of that because that's not usually what people get to see on Instagram is the little the line clamshells, the Ugh. the planks, the ISO holds, things like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it takes hard work and it takes dedication and you have to be about it all the time, even when you're not doing it. It has to be on your mind. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good lesson. Yeah. All right, what have you been up to? Oh, um, well, my weekdays are consist of waking up around 4.15, 4.30, which is new for me. Um, and it's, it's hard, but I generally enjoy it. Um, I don't have to be up quite that early, but I, I choose to because I like to have some time in the morning to kind of settle in and just get ready for the day. Um, then I'm usually working out around five or six in the morning, um, just cause that's my only time to do it. So, I mean, I go and do it, I get it done. It's been going well. Um, I've been doing, um, for the past four weeks, I've been working on developing some strength and power. So I'm taking a concurrent approach where I'm trying to develop both of those qualities at the same time. So dedicating some of my training to, um, power training, some of it to strength training. And then I've also been incorporating both sprints and plyometrics into my training three times a week each. So it's very, it's, um, there's a lot of variables, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's been a good change of pace after training for physique for a while. So um, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. I've pulled a lot from triphasic training written by Cal Dietz, and then also the traditional um, quote-unquote conjugate approach. Do you find Cal Dietz to be controversial in the strength and conditioning world so Controversial far? how? Like, um, kind of that his methodology is too complicated to be applied yes. to widespread populations. So I think there's merit to that. Um, the dude is a genius. He's a 100% he's a genius. There's no other way to put it. Like he's one of Jimmy the smartest Neutron. people. Yes. Um, so a lot of times I think a lot of the stuff he says and he preaches goes over people's heads, including mine. Like I'm not claiming I'm a genius. I'm claiming he's a genius. But I think the concepts are super sound and I don't think you have to apply them exactly how he writes them. And, I, and I've heard him say that that's not what he intended. He The big thing for him was perf- was providing this framework that people could then take and apply however they wanted to. And for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar with his work, this is the head strength coach at um, the U of M who also works with US Olympic women's hockey. Um, Very successful strength coach, was an athlete, a successful athlete. And he wrote a book called Triphasic Training, which essentially breaks down um, all dynamic movement, which is really anything where you're moving. Um, so obviously everything athletics, it can be broken down into three phases. Um, the first one being the eccentric phase or the lengthening phase. So if we're talking about a squat, that's going to be the lowering portion of a squat. Then you, your muscles are elongating. Yep. And then you have the isometric phase or the amortization phase, which is just that slight pause, um, at the bottom of a movement. It can be very short. It can You can elongate it or make it longer um, if you want to. Then we have the concentric, which is muscles shortening, muscles um, insertion and origin coming together, those cross bridges forming, um, which produces concentric contraction, and that would be the raising portion of the squat. So what he does is he divides he, he works on each of those phases of movement independently and then integrates them into um, a method that peaks athletes for competition. So it, it's designed to strengthen all three of those phases of movements independently and then integrate it um, into a more applicable model to sport. So it's something that I've really, I loved reading it. Um, I've really enjoyed playing around with it. And I think the concepts are very sound, but you, I do think he's sort of polarizing in that people are just like, it it can be very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. If you tried to apply it exactly how he would, like if I showed you one of the programs that's in that book right now, you would think it was a different language because Mm -hmm. it's so complex, but you also have to remember that he's working with D1 and Olympic athletes and we're not. Mm -hmm. So I, I still think, I still think you can take the concepts um, and apply them. I don't think it has to be black and white. Anyway, that's my training. Um, I'm also doing an internship at Minnetonka High School, um, strength and conditioning, which has been good. 
They've got beautiful facilities. I get to train there sometimes, which is fun. Um, they've got some good athletes. Excuse me. And um, beyond that, I am working some hours here and there at um, for the Minneapolis Park Board, which I've been doing for a long time. And my personal training is just is ramping up. I've got a couple, um, several one-on-one clients that are getting ready for um, their debut, either their debut college seasons or looking to um, have breakout senior years and hopefully get some offers. So that's really exciting for me. Um, And then we've got our small group training, which just started this past week and has been really good. We've got a nice mix of people with different goals. Um, But so far, everyone has, I think, exceeded their own expectations in terms of what they were able to lift during testing. Um, Some people lifting loads that they've never lifted before, which was really cool to see, and I was so glad I got to be a part of it. Uh, But we're doing strength and power twice a week, which is generally gonna consist of a dynamic warm-up to start, um, some plyometric movements to kind of prime the nervous system for the main work, which is gonna be a compound movement filled up with some accessories, injury prevention, and all that fun stuff. And then we have speed and agility twice a week, which is one day focusing on more linear um, deceleration, acceleration, and then we have more of a change of direction agility-based day. So that stuff is all super fun for me. Um, the days do just kind of fly by. I'm I'm not home a lot, which is hard. Um, usually leaving really early in the morning, not coming back till later in the night, which is hard. But I'm doing stuff that I really care about. Um, so I'm trying to be appreciative of that. Cool story, bro. You asked, so <laughs> I had a, I had a sweatshirt that said that one you time did? from Hot of course Topic, you did. and it fit my dad, and my dad would wear it oh, to my, my sports games. Anyways, cool. So the main the main portion of today's podcast, and we are going to try to make this a shorter one, um, is just going to be some Q and A questions we've gotten either from clients or just people via Instagram. Um, shall we get into it? Yeppers. The first one is how much whey protein can I safely consume? So I got this from a client who is looking to lose a little bit of weight, change their body composition, shed some body fat, um, and found themselves eating, drinking a lot of protein shakes um, to try and hit their their caloric goals, um, their macronutrient goals. Because they like protein and shakes. It's, yeah, it's good. So what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on like... Without having been on Google Scholar or done any serious research about it before this, um, I feel like whatever you can safely digest and feel satiated on is a good amount. Um, So for me, I would think like two times a day is pretty good. Um, Having like a serving or a serving and a half of whey protein, especially if you are not lactose intolerant. I'm lactose intolerant, and so whey protein is not in my diet unless, like, I can help it. Um, and, of course, there are alternatives. There are plant proteins. There yeah. are soy-based proteins. But I think the same logic applies, like, whatever mm-hmm. you can digest. So, yeah, and you, you also want to think about, like, especially because your client is trying to lose weight, like, is a protein shake really the most satiating meal that they can have? Because, I mean when I have a protein shake, like just protein and water, it's usually just, all right, that's done. Where's my next meal? It's not like, oh, I feel so full from Yeah, that. I mean, that's kind of the point of that is, is that it's very fast digesting. I mean, that's yeah. why people do drink it after workouts. So that's a good point that it's not really going to keep you full. I think my last point would be um, thinking about what you're maybe missing by substituting whey protein in for like a an animal protein. So, like, what collagen and creatine are you maybe missing out on? And other important things that are found in animal meat, if you eat animals. Um, Or, like, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, what are you maybe missing out of that black bean and rice Mm -hmm. meal um, that whey protein isn't giving you? So, I think think it's good to, you know, have, like, a, a balanced diet i guess but um don't think too much about it especially if it's working for you Mm -hmm. that's the big thing yeah if it's working for you then do that yeah no i agree 100 percent 
I did um, I did Google Scholar it. I PubMedded it. I researched Gate it. This guy goes to St. Thomas. I didn't find much, honestly. Um, and I'm sure there is some research. I will admit that I didn't spend very long on it. But I didn't find anything um, regarding real health risks when it comes to consuming whey protein. So I don't think you're putting yourself at any serious risk. There used to be um, a common narrative and I, I got told this several times at the doctor actually um, that eating too much protein I don't remember exactly what the claim was but that eating too much protein um, would be would be bad for maybe it was kidney some digestive organ yeah, your kidney yeah and I think that's been pretty well disproven as far as I'm as I think far you as I have know to eat an ungodly amount of protein like there's no way that you'd be able to stomach it yeah and I so the the general recon- recommendations for protein consumption are not very high. Um, even now, I'm studying for the certified strength and conditioning coach test, and so we're going through some of that information. And usually, the the highest recommendation I, I hear from just like common places um, is one gram per pound of body weight, which is I think that's sufficient, definitely. But that's usually what people kind of cite as like the upper threshold, and I. I'm only about, man, I consume probably at least 1.5 grams um, of protein per pound body weight and I digest it just fine. Um, I have good energy levels and I feel like I'm making gains strength and size wise. So I think it's a pretty individual thing. Um, Whey protein specifically, like Jen mentioned, it does contain lactose. So if you don't digest that well, it's not going to be a good option for you. If that's not an issue, then I don't think there's anything wrong with having one to two, two to three, even servings a day. I would just say that you don't don't just do it because it's the easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are in a like, there are going to be times where you're in a hurry and or you don't have food with you, and you have to stop at a gas station and grab a protein shake. Like we we all get in those situations, and that's probably the best thing you could do because you got the protein shake. You didn't get the icy or the mocha McFreeze, which have blast. their place in our diet. They do. Um, they certainly do, but especially if you're looking to lose weight yeah. and pro- getting your protein in is super duper important when you're trying to lose weight because protein is very satiating um, and we want to try to preserve as much fat-free mass as we can while we're cutting down because your body is kind of falling apart in front of you when you're cutting. You're in a caloric deficit, so we don't have the resources, the energy to actively build muscle, build strength. So we're trying to hang on as best we can to all the muscle that we do have. And by doing, uh, you want to do that by eating a lot of protein. So to wrap up on that one, I would say- TLDR. What? Too long, didn't read. TLDR. (laughs) To wrap up that one, I would say whatever you can digest safely and um, works well for you, but you want to ten- you want to try to skew more of your protein intake towards whole foods because, like Jen said, they have it's more than just protein. Those whole foods are um, they're going to contain a lot more micronutrients, and not to mention not all protein is created equal because some are quote complete proteins, others are not, and that just has to do with the amino acid makeup of the food. So if that's, That's why I said beans and rice, because together they're incomplete proteins, but I mean, apart they're incomplete proteins, but together they're complete proteins. So if that's something you guys are interested in, you can look more into that. Um, next question. Next one. Do you eat the same foods when cutting and just eat less of them? Question mark. Um, I'll go first. So when I'm cutting, the only reason I'm really cutting would be to make weight for a meat, which I have not done for a very long time. Um, one time I did cut like 10 pounds for a meat and it was the worst experience ever. It was not, it was not very thought out. Um, I remember eating egg whites without salt and that was a low point. Um, we'll we'll never do that again. Um, but I would say like when I am cutting my, the food on my plate doesn't really change. It's just, um, portion sizes that change. So when I have a little less leeway with like what I can eat because I'm trying to cut weight, I'm more so thinking about how that food is going to fuel me and not like necessarily how much I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I'm thinking about, because I have so little room to spare, like what, how's this dinner going to make my morning workout go? Because I'm trying to be strong 
and while also losing weight, which is very hard. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a little bit less about um, like enjoyment and using food as um, a source of a, joy. Yeah, a source of joy, which I think I think that your food should be a source of joy. But um, when I'm cutting, my view shifts a little bit, just so that I'm using more like food more as like a tool mm-hmm. to get me where I want to go. Like the joy isn't in sitting down and having a meal. The joy is in what I can do with that food. So for me, I try to never limit my options. Like I'm going to have ice cream. I'm just not going to have as much ice cream because that's not going to be conducive to the to my performance goals. So I think it's just shifting your mindset a little bit. Um, and definitely catching yourself when you find yourself having problematic thoughts about eating and like you don't want to restrict yourself. Yeah, I would even say that, um, I mean, you mentioned using food as a tool and I think that could be looked at a couple different ways. Um, it is food is fuel. Um, but I also think that can be kind of a dangerous mindset, but it's important to note that you're not saying you do that all the time. No. It's when you're cutting and you shouldn't be in that mindset all the time. And I don't think you should be cutting for a long time either. Like if you if you ever hire a an experienced nutritionist, you're going to find that they have you cut, then they have you maintain or they even have you in um, a caloric surplus. Surplus. And then you're going to go back to cutting like you Nothing good comes out of cutting for a long period of time, mm-hmm. especially in your relationship and like your view of food. Mm-hmm. That's going to be effective, affected massively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting point that you brought up when people are working with nutritionists, they may even go into caloric surplus. Very true. Um, we, we refer to weight loss as being something scientific and simple, which it is. It's calories in versus calories out, but there are so many other factors that go into this. And I think a lot of people, when they try to lose weight, they jump right into eating, you know, 1800 calories or really restricting themselves. And a lot of times that's just not the way to go. And I've seen plenty of people um, be put on a, a, a diet that is quote unquote maintenance for them and they still lose weight. So it's really important to establish that baseline or of where is my body in homeostasis? Where am I not losing weight, not gaining weight, feeling good, and then go from there. So I think if you do want to cut, I would work hard to establish what your maintenance is because also you want to be as efficient as possible. If you don't have to cut, 200 calories you only have to cut 100 then cut 100 don't cut 200 you you want to say be as kind and um patient with yourself as you can mm-hmm. and smart about it mm-hmm. um my personal approach to cutting yes i would say i tend to eat most of the same foods when cutting um at least the bulk of my meals like my meals are pretty much the same um most days and have been for several years because i don't really get tired of the same foods um so when i'm cutting i'm typically just gonna like you said um shrink the portion sizes um and probably cut out some snacking in between meals um but i tend to just try to get in whole foods and then of course like you said i strongly encourage people to indulge in foods that they like Mm. um, and make them happy Mm -hmm. so have that treat have that whatever just make sure that you plan accordingly Um, make sure you get your protein in and then there are definitely certain things that i do only really count on when i'm cutting like um, low calorie options when it comes to like uh, I don't know rice cakes are a really good one for me or like mm-hmm. low calorie popcorn or um, I- low calorie ice cream options things like that so you do you should be creative um, but for the most part yes I would say I eat the same foods when cutting and just eat less of them I would think that's fair to say nice okay next one we've already gone into this pretty extensively on a previous episode I don't know what number um, but I would suggest going through the backlog and finding this episode for who, whoever asked this question. Um, we'll still give it a little bit of light here, but this person asks, best advice for a beginner looking to get started working out? Um, my advice for people, this is really cliche, but like seriously, the best workout you can do is one you can do every day. So start by 
and I'm not saying you have to work out every day, but you need to establish a schedule that is realistic for you and that you're going to be able to find time for. So usually I start my clients out with two days a week because um, I find that three days a week can be too much, especially if they haven't really trained before, if they're an untrained individual. Um, Also two weeks is, that gives you like enough time in the middle. A lot of people don't have that much time to go to the gym. Two days a week, you mean? Yeah, what what did I say? Two weeks. Oh. (laughs) Um, So I, I would just say like, start small, but be consistent with it. So, and then also be thoughtful about your training definitely have a goal in mind so that goal doesn't have to be super specific it doesn't have to be like i want to gain five pounds it can just be like i want to feel better when i walk and work off of that yeah i'm not going to give too much advice in this arena because i think it can scare people away Mm -hmm. um establish a goal and be consistent yeah and i mean like i said we already went into pretty uh, we took a deep dive like a on this whole one. series about this. Yeah, so definitely check that out if you're interested. Um, no, I liked what you had to say. I also think it's important to establish the difference between exercise or working out and just physical activity. Mm. Um, we all need physical activity. We all need to move our bodies in order to feel good, in order to um, have a proper hormonal balance and remain... If you're able. If you're able, of yeah. course. Um Good point. We all need some stimulus. Yes. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, But there is a difference between the two. Um, Exercise or working out is where you're working towards a goal. You're trying to accomplish something. Physical activity is just moving your body. It's walking up and down stairs, um, taking your dog for a walk, things like that. Um, And I don't want to say that those things can't be viewed as exercise, like walking your dog can certainly be viewed as exercise, but there is a difference between just walking to your car um, and hopping on a treadmill and going for a run, for example. So your intention with your action can like determine that. Yeah. And I think I thought you had really good advice. I would definitely start on the lower end in terms of frequency two to three times a week. I usually start people three times a week if I can, if they're able. Um, And I would make sure that, like Jen said, you have a goal in mind. I would tend to tell people to set process-oriented goals rather than outcome-oriented goals. And the difference there is a process-oriented goal is like, I'm gonna go to the gym three times a week for six weeks. Mm -hmm. Whereas an outcome goal is, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of things that we don't have control that are gonna help determine whether we lose 20 pounds or not, but nobody is gonna stop you from going to the gym. So that's the difference there. Set process-oriented goals follow through on them and then I think it's really important to find um, someone or a group who can help you find an intelligent approach to achieving those goals because um, what's up we all need help and I mean you can I've mentioned this before but I definitely wasted several years just trying to figure things out on my own when I would have been better off and I didn't have the means to hire a personal trainer or anything like that but we can all read books we can all do different things and I would just encourage you to seek out knowledge on the best way to approach your goals yeah we can all read books or listen to podcasts or like reach out for help in some capacity in some capacity and guess what Roy and I are personal trainers so we would love to help you absolutely shameless plug Next up, this one is pretty interesting, or I found it interesting. Um, I had a client in the, in the gym ask me during one of our sessions, do mirrors actually help people when lifting? Um, I thought that was a really interesting question and one that I didn't really think about before. So I found a study called the effects of either a mirror, internal or external focus instructions on single and multi-joint tasks. So this study investigated how performing a single joint exercise and a multi-joint, multi-joint exercise in front of a mirror impacts various measures of performance. Can I also just make a small comment before you hop into mm-hmm. that? I find that mirrors help me a lot better when the, mus- the muscles that I'm wor- like working on are smaller because hmm. like I Explain use the that. mirror for a lot of shoulder work. Um, especially things like meadow six-way shoulders or dumbbell scarecrows, just because those muscles are so small that it's important that you're precise and proprioceptively, like, or, you know, I can't really feel if 
my arm is tucked is or tucked. tucked. Yeah. Um, as when that muscle is so small, like I obviously I can feel like I'm working out, but I'm not really seeing if I'm maximizing the movement. So for me, I find that with like smaller musculature, um, it's more important for me to be in front of a mirror. I'll give my subjective take as well. Um, I, I think placebo is real. So if you think it helps, it's going to help. I think a lot of people get pretty amped up when they see a new vein or a new, you know, they see themselves getting bigger in the mirror. And I think that a lot of times helps people pump out a couple more reps. Um, so I think it definitely can help. That is my subjective assessment. Now, if we look objectively, this study investigated, um, so there were four conditions. Um, one condition was an external focus and an external focus is going to be giving a cue like push the floor away or referring to something in the environment. Um, whereas an internal focus, which was the next condition is going to be on something having to do with your body, like saying, bring your elbow across your chest or something like that. Um, then they also had a neutral condition and the mirror, of course. They tested voluntary elbow flexion, which is basically just going to be, I'm assuming, a bicep curl of some kind, and a counter movement jump on force plates. In the single joint condition, the external focus led to the greatest normalized force production. There was no difference between the neutral and the mirror condition, but both were greater than the internal focus. For multi-joint exercises, the greatest jump height, though it was not significantly statistically significant, excuse me, um, was from the external focus condition as well. There was no difference between the mirror and the neutral again, and again, the lowest was from the internal focus, which I thought was really interesting. I So what does that mean? So it, they found that both for both conditions, both a single joint and a multi-joint exercise, an external focus proved to help performance the most. As in a mirror? No, as in giving a cue such as push the floor away or... Um, Let's see. What are other common cues that spread the spread, bar, spread the bar, things like that, break the bar, bend the bar, things yeah. like that. Those help people the most. Followed by um, mirrors and neutral were the same, which is pretty interesting. I, I also think that I've had a lot of clients, not a lot of clients, um, but I've had clients that when. I can't really cue them when they're working out because they want to look at me and they want to see it. Mm. So I think it's important to like pick up on what you're better at. Some people have to look, mm-hmm. um, whereas some people need to feel and yep. some people can just imagine. Like yeah. if you say, imagine that you're doing X, Y, Z. Okay. And then that person picks up on it. But if they're just looking at you clueless, then it's like, okay, maybe I need to show you yeah. what I mean. That, and that all goes back to, you know, being kinesthetic versus auditory versus visual learner, yeah. which we all have different learning styles. And as coaches, it's important for us to know the client mm-hmm. um, and what works best for them. I found this study super interesting. I think it makes a lot of sense that the lowest performance was, um, from the internal focus for the jump, because if somebody tells you, like what specific knee angle you need to be at or something like that. I feel like you're just going to overthink it rather than just trying to jump as high as you can. So I think a cue such as, uh, you know, reach for the sky or like I said earlier, push the floor away is going to be much more effective than saying, bring your gluteus maximus to your biceps femoris and then extend your hip, you know, things like that. Dunk on them. (laughs) That's a good one. That's probably the most effective one. However, I I will say I was surprised that this for the single joint exercise, the internal focus condition wasn't more um, successful because when I was doing physique training, I got there was a lot of internal cues, things like bicep to chin or elbow to bicep or um, press across your chest, things like that. And I found those cues super helpful. So I think it depends on what you're training for, too. Like if we're talking about jump height, that's an explosive ballistic movement. But if we're talking about, um, for example, an inclined dumbbell curl, and I I was given the cue, um, bring your forearm to your bicep, which I found extremely helpful because then you're not thinking about curling the dumbbell. You're just thinking about moving your forearm to your bicep. So I think it totally depends, but it looks like overall mirrors are not as important as people maybe think they are. Alrighty. Um, the last one is regards static stretching for athletes. So let's start with the importance of flexibility for athletes. 
Um, having adequate flexibility at our major joints is necessary to be able to go through full ranges of motion and hit the hit all the positions, produce the most force, and be the most explosive that you can be in your respective sport. So I would say that if it takes you one, if it takes you longer than 30 seconds to get to the deepest part of your stretch, and that's like your flexibility training, I would just say scrap it if you're an athlete because you don't need that extra range of motion because it's so hard for you to get there. The only the only like flexibility or mobility that you're gonna need is one that you can use. Mm -hmm. So like, um, let's say that your hamstrings are really sore. Is a bent over? Is a bent over? Um, God, what a forward fold. A hamstring fold stretch is a is a four, one minute long forward fold really gonna help you out better than like. A set a of RDLs. Yeah, or, a set of RDLs are dynamic um, prayers. Is that what they're called? I don't know. Prayers where you sweep the floor. I've heard um, push the turtle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. And when when I have clients that are worried about flexibility, I usually weight those. So I, I'll put like five to ten pounds in each hand. Mm -hmm. um, that way you have to actually use that flexibility to also get out of the position. Mm -hmm. So you really want to focus on not how flexible you are, but what flexibility and motion can you use. Yep. And that is a huge, huge point. So uh, nice job Gold there. Star. Flexibility is passive. Flexibility is the muscle lengthening passively, um, which is why we're usually pulling on something with our hands, a band, or using the floor to our advantage, or gravity, of course. Um, whereas mobility is active, we are contracting muscles to take our joints through ranges of motion. So I place a much higher emphasis on mobility over flexibility, personally. Um, I think flexibility and static stretching have their place. It can, we'll get into this um, when we talk about the studies. Um, but there is a role for it, I would say. But you do have to be very careful about how and when you implement it. So let's get into the study. So this first study, um, where it was the purpose was to clarify the effects of static stretching for 30 seconds and dynamic stretching on leg extension power. So it studied 11 healthy male students. Um, each performed static stretching and dynamic stretching on the five muscle groups in the lower limb and non-stretching on separate days. So both went through both conditions. Um, they measured leg extension power before and after the static stretching, dynamic stretching, and the non-stretching conditions. Um, no significant difference was found between leg extension power after static stretching, so there was no decrease in performance, and after non-stretching. On the other hand, leg extension power after dynamic stretching was significantly greater than that after non-stretching and static stretching. These results suggest that static stretching for 30 seconds neither improves nor reduces muscular performance and that dynamic stretching enhances muscular performance. So this study is saying that in the short term, um, holding a 30 second stretch is not gonna be detrimental to performance, but it's not gonna give you the same um, positive effect that a dynamic stretch is going to. So I actually thought this was a pretty important study because you hear a lot of times, and this is, um, the effects of static stretching for 30 seconds and dynamic stretching on leg extension power, published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research in 2005. Um, a lot of times you hear that static stretching is actually going to decrease performance, and I've seen that cited in studies as well, and I think that's very viable, um, but this study is saying that that is not true. So it's one perspective on that. Um, you're going to hear basically no matter where you look that dynamic stretching has positive impacts on performance. So if you are going to static stretch, I plead you to not do it before you train. Maybe um, do, it, do it before bed. Do it, I would say, completely. If you're going to do it anytime around your workout, do it after. Um, and like we said, getting into these more active ranges of motion is much more important when talking about um, performance. This study looked at comparing the effects of self-myofascial release with static stretching on ankle range of motion in adolescent athletes. So this is pairing um, foam rolling and static stretching. So the post-testing revealed that the combination of that static stretching alone and foam rolling plus static stretching both improved um, ankle dorsiflexion but foam rolling alone did not. So this is just looking at a different recovery modality and saying that foam rolling alone is not going to improve range of motion. 
Um, again, foam rolling has its place. That's a different discussion, but I just thought this was an interesting one. Um, the greatest effect was seen from both foam rolling and static stretching. Cool. Next, um, influence of static stretching on hamstring flexibility in healthy young adults. So this study... Um, Give us the abstract version of it. I'm looking at it. So they looked at a total of 813 articles. So it was a meta-analysis. Um, they found that results favored static stretching compared to control, so not doing nothing else. Um, and in conclusion, static stretching was effective in increasing hamstring flexibility in healthy young adults. So it, like we said, it can improve your passive range of motion. And to be able to get into those, like just having the elasticity of your muscles to get into those positions is important. But we're also saying that having being able to use your muscles to get into those positions and control those positions and move in and out of them explosively, like we do in athletics, um, is much more mobility based. Yep. So that's the difference there. Um, here is in a study that did find that static stretching pre-competition decreased neural activation, decreased muscular tenderness stiffness, and or a combination of neural and muscular factors. So they found negative effects of performance for up to one hour after a bout of static stretching. So there are some pretty big implications there. Um, I know a lot of sport coaches are still following static stretching routines, uh, much to the detriment of their players' performance. So I thought that was um, a good one to include. Then we have um, just a couple more. Does post-exercise static stretching alleviate delayed onset muscle soreness? Pretty interesting. A lot of people tend to think that stretching is gonna reduce um, soreness or pain. Um, this study found otherwise. 23 subjects performed a 30-minute step test to induce delayed onset muscle soreness. A uh, 30-minute step test. Yeah, I know. Then they performed a regimen of static stretching which did not alleviate delayed onset muscle soreness. There was neither temporary relief or pain immediately after stretching, nor a general reduction in pain during the three-day post-exercise period. Serum creatine kinase level, which is a commonly used marker for muscle damage, was elevated after exercise, and the strength of the sore muscles were reduced. Stretching did not affect these responses. So stretching is not gonna help you recover or um, reduce delayed onset muscle soreness, which is also a common reason why people use it. Yes. Um, how many questions? How many more we questions have, do you have? After this, this is the last question. Oh, okay, we perfect. just have. I just have one or two more studies, um, and we can probably bypass this one because this one actually it's it's fairly interesting. So this study looked at collegiate baseball players um, and compared dynamic and static warmups on lower body explosiveness measured by vertical jump and standing long jump. Um, so they progressed through three different warmups on weekly testing dates over a seven-week period. Um, after the warmups, they were measured for vertical jump and long jump. Results indicated that the participants jumped significantly higher in both experimental conditions while under the influence of the dynamic warmup. So again, dynamic warmup over static stretching. Um, it this also says that. Long jump analysis determined that individuals jump significantly further after no warm up compared to a static stretching warm up. So it's worse than doing nothing, mm. which is just pretty mind blowing to me. Um, that was the last study. I just have a few takeaways. So if you're looking to increase passive range of motion or flexibility, static stretching um, is a viable option. And when combined with self myofascial release like foam rolling, um, can provide pretty good results. Uh, like we talked about, mobility is different than flexibility. Mobility is active. Flexibility is passive. If you're an athlete, I believe you should focus on mobility. Um, dynamic warm-ups are going to improve performance much more than static stretching. Static stretching may even decrease performance. And lastly, stretching does not alleviate delayed onset muscle soreness. Yeah, if you can't stabilize in whatever range of motion you're in, you can't use that range of motion you can't really use that flexibility like even if you can touch your toes but i come over and like push you over or you can't get out of it without making a huge fuss then like you know that's not going to be 
something that you should invest a lot of your time in as an athlete. And this is definitely different than like gen pop. All right, so let's wrap it up. Yep, so that's it on the Q&A front. Thanks to you to everybody who contributed um, and asked questions. We really appreciate that. Um, before we go... Let's do movie recommendation. <clears throat> movie <clears throat> movie or show recommendation and then book recommendation. Okay. Um, I haven't watched... We watched Shrek Forever After most so recently, good. I think. Which was very good. I love Shrek. Oh, we watched The Lovebirds. Lovebirds was good as well. Which was hilarious on yeah. Netflix. I would highly recommend both. Um, yeah. What about you for movies? Um... Oh my god. I feel like I watch so much stuff. You've been watching a lot. Um, what have I been watching? I don't know. Uh, okay, we'll move on. Okay, shows. Show. We watched Upload on Amazon Prime, which yeah. was really good. Yeah, that I yes. I've just watched finished The Order on Netflix, which is okay. Here's the thing. It's not really a recommendation, but it is very entertaining. Like it's not a high quality show, but it's really entertaining. <laughs> We all have shows like that. Uh, all, yeah, Roy just watched episodes, which is like, bleh. It was more that I just like, I, so this was a show, um, a Netflix show with Matt LeBlanc, who's Joey from Friends, and that's what brought me in. And then I got like a season deep, and I was like, well, now I have to finish it. Yeah. And it, it wasn't great, I have no. to say. But I really enjoyed the uploads. Yeah, um, upload was really good. That's um, uh, Greg Daniels. Show is on Prime, so he's like the creator of The Office, but the show's not like The Office. No, it was a very good show, though. Yeah. I was impressed. Oh, I watched Lady Bird, and honestly, this is a controversial opinion, but this was the most ordinary movie I've ever watched. I don't really know much about that one. Like, so. I watched it, and I was like, okay. Is it, like, very I, hyped up? I just watched a movie. Yeah, people, well, because Timothy, oh, God, Chalamet, is that his last name? don't even know who that is. Timothy Chalamet is in it. Um, plays a total D-bag. Yes. Okay. Uh, books. Do you want to go? Yes. So I have. I don't think I've finished any books since the last time we spoke. Um, but I'm currently reading The End of Police, which is an e-book. Me, me too. Um, by Alex Vitale, I think you pronounce it. And it is phenomenal, I have mm-hmm. to say. It's really, really good. I, I recommended it to a professor, to one of my favorite professors ever. And she said that she just listened to an interview. It goes with the far author. beyond anything that I expected. They're talking yeah. about homelessness, mental mm-hmm. illness, all these things that play into police in America. And it is just really, really good. And I was able to get it for free. Yeah. Shout out Patrick Carlson. And um, he plugged me on it. What I really like is that the like the author gives you all of this backstory before being like, "This is why there needs to be an end." He's not like. They're not like they don't. The police they need to end, and this is why they give you the whole backstory so that you're thinking about it already yeah. before they it's, get to the I would, point. I think it's very objective because yeah. they do mention like the what they view as the positive aspects mm-hmm. of policing, which there are not many, mm-hmm. and usually those are contradicted by many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, a fantastic book. I would highly recommend it. I'm also reading. Um, shoot, what is? I'm reading a collection of. Toni Morrison, Essays, Meditations, and Speeches. I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but that is really good. It's very dense. Um, So I'm trying to just read like one of those a day, one of the essays um, a day, and I'm really enjoying that. She is an amazing author. And then I am reading Range by David Epstein, um, which has been good. This book basically um, kind of contradicts the traditional thinking that 10,000 hours of practice makes perfect and it looks at people who have much more um, winding paths if you will they try a lot of different things before they settle down into one thing and um, he provides a lot of examples in different fields of people like that who have been extremely successful that's a really good book as well I'm reading a few different books too The End of Policing and then Speaking of Indigenous Politics, which is just a collection of interviews with Indigenous activists, tribal leaders, and, um, God, important people. (laughs) Um, I really like 
I really like that book. I got it for one of my classes, and I kept every book that I got from that class because it was great. So I really recommend that if you're interested in indigenous politics and indigenous issues. I finished Critical Race Theory, which um, I think it was republished in 2012. It's a little... Um, that book is dense as well. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's dense. But I think... I mean, I really like it because it's comprehensive, and it... It, it comes at the issue from a lot of different points. So, basically, it's really theory-based, but I would say it doesn't read like a textbook. Even if you don't read the book, I encourage you to look up the critical race theory yeah. and learn about it because it provides you with a lens through which you can yeah. look at things and, and assess things and discuss things. And since critical race theory came out, a lot of things, or a lot of um, different minority groups have come out with like their own critical race theory so there's lat crit and there's tribal crit and etc interesting i didn't actually know that um yeah so i would i would recommend that book i would say that there were a few i mean the book is just a little bit behind in language there were a few things that i like i crossed out and then like rewrote for the next person that was going to read it after me um but other than that i I read like a chapter every time I sat down to read it and it I think it would only have like seven chapters nice yeah so any music recommendations before we go I really liked Megan's new song and I feel like nobody yeah. really liked it that much and I really I liked, liked it. it and I that song um Boys in the Hood is very catchy and mm-hmm. so I'm really glad and it's like a very misogynistic song and yes. so then Megan comes out and she's like talking about how she is not here to please men yeah I thought it was and dope I, I like that was, song too yeah really she's good um, anything else um god I feel like I listen I love Kamaya <laughs> I need a Kamaya concert you didn't get no concert no soon no what about you um I just really just two <laughs> Okay. Wait, no. Just two. Okay. I really enjoyed Big Crit's album. I really... The return of forever hope. <laughs> I liked the new EP by Black. All right, there's your two. Nope. I liked Wale's EP as well. Um, it's pronounced Eep. Okay. The What's Poppin' remix is really good. I, I think that usually when they have a bunch of big artists come on a song like that, at least one person kind of bombs it like and just ruins it. But I thought they were all solid, so I liked that a lot. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. All right. Everybody stay safe. We'll see you for episode three. Let us know um, what topics you'd like covered. If you have any questions, guests you'd like to hear from, we appreciate everyone who listens. And we, it would mean so much to us if you would share, rate, subscribe, do Ooh, all the like. things. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Leave a nice review. All right. Um, moi. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>